This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we are also on 96.7 FM. My co-host as usual, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? I'm doing great. Just want to intro the show a little bit. Uh, Just after our first break, we'll have on with us Matt Janella. Matt Janella is the Travel insider for the Golf Channel, morning drive every morning on the Golf Channel. We'll talk to him about uh, all things golf and in the middle of the hour, uh, truly an inspirational story. Uh, Reggie Leach, uh, you brought this one to my attention, Naz. Maybe uh, give our listeners a little uh, a little short uh, recap on, on Reggie Leach and what we might be talking about. Well, Reggie Leach is uh, obviously, you know him from the Broad Street Bullies, and uh, he was a scorer on that team, that Freddie Sherrill coach team. And uh, that was an interesting uh, era of the Broad Street Bullies, and we want to talk to him about that for sure. And he has a book out uh, that uh, I, I know he wants to cover with us, so that'll be a great uh, interview. At the bottom of the hour, we'll be taking a few calls as usual. We'll be giving those numbers out uh, later on in the show. We're going to do something uh, we've tried a few times before in the past. Give us an email. Uh, if, uh, if you're a little bit uh, shy on phoning us, by all means, give us an email at Wally. Uh, sorry, it's Wally at nazandwally.ca or naz at nazandwally.ca. Uh, send us an email. We'd be more than happy to ask your question on the air. Naz, uh, Leafs are in a little bit of a tailspin. Yes. Uh, five straight losses. And uh, woke up this morning, looked at the standings, and uh, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, uh, but we're... The, the the playoffs that we had talked about, the Leafs, uh, we thought, were making a run in that direction. Uh, the five straight losses have taken us in the other direction. Uh, yes. we're, we're one point out of bottom. Yeah, that's what happens in the league once you go on a five-game losing streak. And they and they had a – they were 1-7-2 and two in the first 10. So uh, that you can't make the playoffs doing that. But the biggest loss was JVR. As soon as I heard that he had broken his uh, foot – it uh, didn't look good, especially with that caliber of player. And people underrate him. He is a top-notch player. Yeah, JBR. he's, uh, you know, you, you hit, you, you're you certainly correct about that, Naz. People do underestimate uh, JVR. Uh, he's uh, He may be the only world-class player on this particular edition of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Morgan Riley at some point may end up being that player. Uh, JVR over in the Olympics uh, for the U.S., in uh, in Sochi, I mean, he was part of probably the best line at that at that tournament, which is, you know, I mean, it was him, Pavelski, and Kessel. That American line, they were they were dominant, except uh, you know, except for the Canadian game. And uh, you know, JVR can play the game at the highest level, and certainly, what a what a loss. Uh, 
to this particular edition because if there's one thing that this uh, this particular leaf uh, leaf team is lacking is is natural goal scorers. P- you know, players who can put the puck in the net. They're, they're hard know, to bad, find right now. <laughs> well, they're hard to find in the league, but uh, you know, Babcock's got to look down that bench every night. And this is no criticism, of Mike Babcock. You know, we've been. Uh, We've been singing his praises here for the last uh, last couple of months. What he's done with this team, uh, he's he's turned them into a competitive team, playing a disciplined brand of hockey, and uh, so certainly no criticism of Mike Babcock uh, and no criticism of the team uh, because they're probably extracting as much out of this team given its skill level as they possibly can. You know, take a look at the NHL and look at Montreal Canadiens. They lost their key player, which is uh, uh, Carey Price. And they haven't done well at all. And they're, they're almost out of a playoff spot. I think they're about one point out of being out of a yeah, playoff spot. Yeah, 50 points. So they're, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're right on the bubble. Right on the bubble. And if you look at it, there may not be one Canadian team in the playoffs this year. Not one. And that's amazing because there's quite a few Canadian teams and not one of them will make the playoffs. It's possible. Pretty sad. It is pretty sad. It's pretty sad. I mean, uh, how many teams we got? Six? Is it six, seven, five, six? I mean, I've lost track. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, just just from sheer statistical odds, you know, you'd think you'd get a Canadian. I mean, you know, and we're the, you know, Canada, you know, we're we're crazy about hockey. And, you know, to have to watch, I mean, I don't know which teams, I mean, uh, we're going to watch a playoff series between Nashville and St. Louis. I mean, okay, the teams are better, but does anybody in Canada really want to watch that? Yeah, you got to get the Oilers or the Flames. We've got to do something in this country. You've got to get somebody in there for sure. Uh, But that's the way it is sometimes, right? Now, I want to talk about John Scott, the Wally. What are your thoughts on him? Uh, you know what? This 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 whole story uh, is has blown up, and 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 it's been mishandled from probably every single possible direction. And you know, and quite frankly, uh, uh, Don Cherry talked about it last night on Coach's Corner. Yep. And 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 I think he sort of hit the nail on the head. Um, John Scott. Is 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 turning out to be the victim in this story, and I'll tell you why. Um, um, you know, he was he was playing a role with the Arizona Coyotes, playing his six seven minutes a game. And you know what? I'm not a, I'm not a big John Scott fan. I mean, everybody remembers that incident before uh, before the game when he was with, with Phil the Kessel. Sabres with yeah. Phil Kessel in the exhibition game. Yeah. In the exhibition game, and that was uh, Clarkson's demise. That yeah, was hey? Clarkson's demise. He got the ten game suspension out of that one. But you know, trying to cut to the chase here. Um, you know, John Scott is not a skilled hockey player. Uh, John Scott plays a very limited role on an NHL team. Uh, and that role has become less and less important as the enforcer has been sort of legislated out of the game. Uh, but, you know, he's on an NHL contract, and he was making a certain living. And you know what? At the end of the day, you know, John Scott's got a family, and he's making a living. And he's no longer in the NHL. And, I, you know, I've got a question, why isn't he in the NHL anymore? Because if you want to trace this back, you can almost suggest that he's not in the NHL because a whole bunch of fans decided that it was that we were going to play a little bit of a joke on the NHL. I mean, let, let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade. John Scott did not deserve to be voted to the NHL All-Star Game by any criteria whatsoever. 
okay? His skill set just doesn't deserve that. And I'm sure he'd probably be the first to admit it. And it may so, not even deserve to be playing in the NHL, but he was playing in the NHL. That part of it I don't have that a is, problem with. That is with, different. Okay? That's a different story. But, but the it. NHL, you know, you open up, you open up the All-Star game to fan balloting, and, you know, fans decided that this we're going to have a little bit of fun with this, and we voted. I didn't personally vote. I didn't vote in, in any of it. And if I had had a vote, I would not have voted for John Scott. If I had voted, I would not have voted for John Scott. He just doesn't deserve to be there on his NHL talent. And but you know, a whole bunch of fans thought, you know, let's 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 turn this into a little bit of a joke. Yeah. And he got voted in, and that's fine. You know what? Fans are the paying customers. That's their prerogative. The NHL didn't put a list of players who you could you could maybe that's what they need to do saying here's the list of players you can vote for and you can't vote for anybody no, other than no on right this in list ballots. right and they also have this policy that they like to have one player from every single team and he happened to be the uh, the the nominee for the Phoenix Coyotes well you know at the end of the day you know the NHL ended up with a huge you know they ended up with a huge embarrassment yeah and you know, I, I, my understanding from reports I've read, they, they asked John Scott to step no. aside. And he said no. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes asked him to step aside, and and he said no. And, you know, he, the guy's not making a lot of money. He had an opportunity to make some money at the All-Star game. He's, you know, he's trying, to, he's trying to eke out a living for his family. Uh, to a certain extent, should he have said no? Um, no, he got voted in according to the rules. The NHL should have respected that, uh, unfortunately. Those were the rules. Yeah, the yeah. NHL, the, what the NHL should have done was to go with it and fix it next year. I mean, exactly. why, why are you doing this? Like, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. They should have gone with it. They should have gone with it this year or they should have, you know, made some sort of arrangement with John Scott. You know, if they wanted to compensate him fairly for stepping aside, you know, if they could have reached some sort of understanding with, 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 with John, that's fine. But they had, they had a set of rules. They asked the fans to vote and the fans voted. The NHL didn't like that decision. Too bad. Yeah. You know, I was originally on the other side of this debate. You know, originally when I because you were looking at his skill level, you weren't looking at his. Yeah, my, the my other side. you know, I mean, I, I you know, sometimes you you know you rush to judge. I mean, I've 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 changed my opinion on this particular issue. When when the story first came out, I thought, you know what, John, you know, step aside. You don't deserve to be at the game. That yeah. was my original opinion. I've I've changed my opinion. The fans voted. The NHL doesn't like it. Too bad. They should have lived with it. Now what happened, and, you know, we don't know the whole story. John Scott got traded, okay? He's not with the Arizona Coyotes anymore, okay? He's with the He's Montreal Canadiens. He got traded to the Montreal Canadiens. What's the first thing Mark Bergevin does? He signs them to the uh, uh, American Hockey League. He's now, he's now in the American Hockey League. And, and Don Cherry was making the point last night. He's probably on a two-way contract, which means he's not making anywhere near the amount of money he was making before. Well, you know, there's people who suffer because of this. You know, John Scott's got a family, right? He didn't, you know, if this is all as a result of they're trying to bury him in the AHL because there's a rule that says you have to be in the NHL to be in, in the All-Star game, then you know what? Then that's just totally wrong. It's just totally wrong. You've affected people's lives. I mean, I, I know trades happen in the NHL every day, and it's part of the business. But if this, if, if John Scott is in the AHL making one-tenth of the money that he was before, uh, before he got voted into the NHL All-Star game, then you know what? There's something wrong with this. 
there's something. It smells, and, and it isn't right. And the NHL, from what I can tell, they, they, they botched from a PR point of view. They completely and utterly botched this, So what did my Ari- opinion. I wonder what Arizona had to do with this because they made the trade. They, couldn't, they could have kept them. But they made the trade to Montreal. Well, you I, know, mean, I mean, Arizona shouldn't for be. For Arizona, quite frankly, you know what? The league has I, to I be don't involved. Who's the, league, the, who's the league has who's to be who's involved. The GM, in who's the GM in Arizona? Used to uh, be, Maloney. Used to, is it still Don Maloney? Yeah. Okay. You know, if you, you want to evaluate this from a um, hockey perspective, you know, I, I look at this as a good trade for Arizona. You know, I Tenority. Mean, I, I think Tenority's yeah. got some potential as a hockey player. Certainly he's a better hockey player than, than John Scott. Now, Montreal does an NHL trade at the beginning of February so you can stick somebody in the minors? You get that? I don't get it. Anyways, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not into that kind of stuff. Uh, It it brings back the fixing of games, too, from last week. I just just don't like the way this entire thing went down. Anyways, uh, it's time for our first break, and... uh, we may come. We may come back to this on some of the calls. I'd love to hear call, callers' opinions on this later in the show. Once again, give us an email: Wally at nazandwally.ca. Naz at nazandwally.ca. We're going to break. We'll be right back after the break with Matt Janella, travel insider for golf for the Golf Channel's Morning Drive. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked me to introduce their new fast dial number just for cell phones by singing it. <clears throat> Pound three six three six no pound three six three six no Come on baby pound three six three six ooh, ooh. Come on baby pound three six three six huh, that's got a ring to it Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound three six three six There's an old saying Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. 
Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. And welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Pleased to have with us next Matt Janella. Matt Janella is the travel insider for the Golf Channel's Morning Drive, which is on every morning on the Golf Channel. He's been doing that gig for three years and has also been the travel editor for Golf Digest for over a period of six years. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. It's, it's our pleasure. Thanks very much, Matt. Can I ask you a question? Is there a job in there anywhere? <laughs> most most uh, of us most of us would uh, would die to do what you're doing. So uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think I, I may have described it as a job. It sounds like more like it's fun. You're, it's a, tell us a little bit about what you do, Matt. That was always the goal, right? I've uh, <laughs> I, I, I say it all the time. I've never worked a day in my life. But um, I, uh, you know, my my quote job is to travel around and uh, and to sample the product, which the product being in this case uh, golf courses and resorts all over the world. It's uh, it's quite something. You're, you. Matt, you're probably uh, considered the uh, foremost expert in uh, in uh, in golf travel and in, in 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 golf courses around the world. Certainly, you've played. You've played everywhere in the world and in probably all the top courses in the world. And one of your particular interests is uh, is something called buddies trips. We're into the uh, we're into the dog days of winter up here in Canada, uh, <laughs> Matt, and uh, we're we're uh, we're we're turning a glance southward. Although it hasn't been that bad of a winter so far, but uh, we're we're getting tired of the cold weather and we're uh, we're we're longing for things down in the south and. Uh, Canadians like to travel with their buddies. Uh, tell us, I know that you've written a couple of uh, articles on buddies trips. What are buddies trips all about? And tell us, uh, tell us uh, some of the best places for that. Well, I'll tell you, I, uh, I'm probably not going to tell your listeners anything they don't already know, given the fact that I've covered, uh, I've co- as you said, I've covered buddies trips for 10 years and I've written written articles be, you know for golf digest and done done features for golf channel on buddies trips probably close to 75 you know actual trips going in and kind of hanging out with the groups of people who are on the trip talking to the alpha planner the one who kind of gets it all done for for everybody else on the group and um in 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 doing that i've i've bumped into a lot of canadian groups and no group is better at a buddies trip than Canadians. I, I, I love I love you guys. I, I, love <laughs> well, you guys I appreciate that, Matt. Way, be, yeah, well, be, I love you guys because of the way you love the game, you know. And uh, and I and I appreciate what you're going through every year for you know five or six months of the year in which golf is really not much of an option. But I I've I've bumped into guys who have driven you know 24 hours. They they they, they get in the car and drive for a day to spend two or three days 
playing golf with their buddies down here. Snowbirds, I guess, is what you guys call yep. them. But it is, it's fantastic. You know, you know, four guys to. I, I've done stories on 130 Canadians that come down every year to you know to the Panhandle of Florida. It's it's uh, a buddy's trip is 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 not always necessarily about where you are, but for me, it's it's a lot about who you're with. Um, and then, you know, and then depending on what, you know, people always ask me, where's the best buddy strip? Where should we go? Where should we go next? What, what courses should we play if we're in this area? And I really, it really does depend on the group. You got to play to the lowest common denominator, meaning the highest handicap. You got to make sure the highest handicapper in your group is playing course that the day two can have a good time on or play a format in which they can have a good time on. Cause you don't want any, you don't want any stragglers. You don't want anybody kind of dragging the group down feeling like, Oh, I can't play this golf course. I don't want, I don't like it. And then, and then keep in mind, budget is also a factor. You don't want, you want to play down to your lowest common number in terms of what people can afford. So it's not always about, you know, Oh man, this is expensive. This dinner's too much. You want people just, just, just being able to kind of clear Clear the decks and just enjoy each other, enjoy the camaraderie, enjoy the golf, enjoy the experience, enjoy the meals, enjoy the wine, whatever it is, just play. And and most alpha planners over the years of getting guys together, uh, figure that out. You know, you you, kind of weed out the people you don't necessarily want. You bring people in who have the right attitude, who have the right sense. You go to places that welcome you. You go to places that fit your group and your budget, and and over time, that's how the great buddies trips uh, evolve. Got to ask you, Matt. We're talking to Matt uh, Matt Janella, the travel insider for Golf Channel's Morning Drive, and uh, obviously an expert on all things golf travel. And uh, we talk about buddies trips, and it's you know like you talk about the alpha male. That happens to be me in my group, and sometimes I get tired of all that responsibility. But uh, <laughs> let me let's talk. We've got we've got a lot of women listeners. Uh, yeah. Is, is there such are, are women getting into buddies golf trips nowadays? Is there, are you finding that happening at all? The only thing more wild than a group of Canadian men on a <laughs> golf trip is a group of all women on a golf trip. I, I, I mean, that's been my experience anyway. I mean, they and you know, and in some cases, it can be about the golf, but but women keep things in better perspective than men. You know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. It's not about the scores so much uh, for them, although they they can be they can be very competitive. But they they've got a very good uh, short term memory in terms of what is the competition, and they they understand you know they get right to the practicality of of what the trip is all about, and they've got um, it's hard for them to allow one person to be in charge. We we, we talk about alpha males that kind of uh, rule the roost of a buddy's trip. That's harder for women. They, they do a lot more delegating from what I understand, from what I, from my experience, they kind of, everybody has their own little responsibility. Everybody's in control of their own little thing. So um, they're very good at buddy's trips. It's just, they don't do them as often as we do. Matt, we have quite a few listeners from the uh, Western New York area. Uh, what are the courses in Canada like to come to for the same buddy uh, groups? Some of the nice courses that you've you've found are trips in in Canada. I've talked. To, I've spent a lot of time at Prince Edward Island, and I I relate Prince Edward Island to uh, kind of the Myrtle Beach of Canada, meaning there's a lot to choose from. There's a lot of good value. Um, you know, Myrtle Beach has some really really good golf courses on the Grand Strand. They've got almost a hundred to choose from, but but. But that's not necessarily why you go to Myrtle Beach for the 
for, for sort of that, that top-level golf. You can build an itinerary around uh, a Caledonia or a True Blue or, or, or some of the other good courses in Myrtle Beach. But Prince Edward Island is, is, a, is a good spot if you want to really hunker down and get good value and, and play multiple courses. My, you know, for me, you guys, I, and I, I'm sure you've, you, you, you've heard about what's coming, but uh, in that little town of Inverness on Cape Breton Island and, uh, you know, in Nova Scotia. Cabot uh, Cliffs. Now, Cabot, Cabot Links opened a couple of years ago, and now you got Cabot Cliffs opening up this summer. And, guys, you have two of the top courses in the world, according to Golf Digest, in the little town of Inverness. C- Cabot Cliffs is debuting. It hasn't even opened yet. It's debuting on that list that Golf Digest just released at number 19. And Cabot Links is at number 92. That, to me, is, is, is so exciting, not only for you Canadians, but for, for, for us, the golfer. You know, I, to be able to go and have those two golf courses and then drive two and a half hours and play one of the great Stanley Thompson designs, Highlands Links. I mean, you, with, with all the kind of cool little cultural stops along the way, that that is fantastic. And it's four and a half hours from Halifax, but I do believe the Canadian government is going to make a point of making sure that Mike Kaiser, owner of Bandon Dunes, and one of the owners of Cabot Links and Cabot Cliffs will get an airport closer to that destination. And when that happens, I just think um, it's like a turning on a faucet of, of interest and activity in that area for golf. Uh, we're talking to Matt Janella, Travel Insider for Golf Channel's Morning Drive, and uh, you talk about Cabot Cliffs and Cabot Links. I was out there a couple of years ago and uh, actually walked walked the property, and, and uh, it's going to be one spectacular, spectacular golf course, and uh, Cabot Links already is. Uh, uh, you travel around the route world Matt, and you you know you talk about cabot cliffs being a spectacular golf course what makes a great golf course for you i know i know golf courses are so subjective it's like it's trying to choose between a picasso and a michelangelo sometimes but what 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 makes a golf course outstanding for you what makes it enjoyable for you being an expert well uh the more i learn about architecture uh the more i want to know and 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 what I've learned about architecture to this point of, of my career is that there is a big difference between thoughtful and thoughtless architecture, which is to say when I'm walking a golf course or I'm playing a golf course or I'm hitting a shot into a, either a fairway or a green and you watch and you understand where the ball is going and why it went there and, and what was the end result and what do I need to learn from, from what I just did. You know, when, when you talk about a routing when you talk about kind of when you when you watch a movie or read a book and that narrative arc is taking place where a, there's a beginning a middle and an end and a dramatic climax at some point sort of in the you know towards the end of of the movie or the book that's that to me is is translate that that translates into a routing of a golf course so when you go out to a place like Cabot Cliffs and you see a big sort of handshake wide open par 5 and then then you know you get to a a, a uh, a pretty spectacular second hole, and then you're winding your way through, and you get to the fifth and the sixth hole, a little punch bowl green, and 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 you get to the bat, and you build to this par five fifteenth, which gets you to the sixteenth hole, par three, over this cliff, and the seventeenth hole is kind of a a cape hole where you can bite off as much as you want to chew over over this big cavernous cliff side of the Nova Scotian uh, you know coastline, and then you know and you eighteen par five eighteen gives you back to the, I mean. 
that's what that that built by Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw. That was thoughtful architecture. You got a mile and a half of Canadian coastline. They they created drama on the front nine and the back nine. Um, there's a mix of six par five, six par four, six par threes. It's fun. It's playable. It's scorable for a wide variety of handicaps. It's spectacular for what it is you're looking at. There's memorable moments, memorable golf holes. You walk off and you want to go right back to the first tee. Kind of all of that combined makes a great golf course. And we're talking to Matt Janella, Travel Insider for Golf Channel. Uh, Matt, you just, you, you know, I'm, I'm a golf junkie, and you, you got me so excited, I'm, I, I'm going to rush home and start hitting some <laughs> golf balls in my basement. I mean, uh, I, I've never heard anybody describe golf so passionately, and I love it. Thanks thanks so much. Uh, Matt, Matt uh, I know you got to get to the airport because you're, you're, you're off somewhere else, so I'll ask you one last question. And, uh, yeah. and, it's, and I know we, talk, we chatted the other day, and I know that you're, you're an expert on all things things golf travel but you're also a passionate uh, a passionate fan of the game as well uh, and it, the the gentleman that we talked about is Jordan Spieth um, Jordan Spieth uh, off to an incredible start already this year an incredible year last year is he a generational talent here uh, Matt are we going to see this out of is he is he taking golf to uh, is he going to be able to maintain it at this level is he is he the next big uh, big guy in golf, if he's if he already isn't, but are we going to see this for the next ten fifteen years? Uh, I believe so. Here's here's if you watch Jordan Spieth, and I know you all have, um, uh, and you watched Tiger Woods back in the mid to late nineties. The thing that they have in common, not unlike you know we're just watching the NFL playoffs here um, this weekend, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. One thing that they do that Jordan Spieth does, that Tiger Woods did, is they play a game for a living. You can tell they are having fun. This is not about the money. This is not about uh, uh, you know um, anything other than they love what they do. When you have a 22-year-old kid with that kind of talent, that kind of head on his shoulders, and that kind of perspective on life that his parents have instilled in him, and, and that kind of humility... And that kind of competitive uh, drive with the idea that he's playing a game, he's having fun. You watch him out there. He is having fun. That is such an advantage over his competition that view what they do to be a job. So if he's competing with that kind of talent and that kind of mental uh, makeup and that attitude, and he's having fun, and he's playing against people who treat it as a job, well, that's an incredible advantage over his competition. I don't see him going away anytime soon. There's not, there's not any particular point of his stats that is incredibly impressive and dominant other than scoring average. And what does that tell you? It just, just means he likes to get the ball in the hole, and he does it better than the rest. And so, yeah, I do think this is something that we will see for the next 10 to 15 years as long as he can contain and maintain that, that attitude and that mental makeup. Talking about passion, Matt, certainly your passion and your love for the game of golf certainly uh, comes out in the way you talk about some of these subjects. We thank you so much for sharing your passion and your knowledge with us this morning. We've been talking to Matt Janella, Travel Insider for Golf Channel's Morning Drive. Matt, once again, we really appreciate this and uh, safe travels, my friend. Well, thank you so much again for having me. I really uh, look forward to crossing paths in the near future, hopefully teeing it up somewhere like uh, Cabot Cliffs. Let's make, let's, that's a date, my friend. Let's do it.
<laughs> take care. Okay, take care, guys. Take Bye-bye. care. Thanks so much. That, of course, was Matt Janella, the travel insider for Golf Channel. We've got coming up. Uh, Boy, what a job, eh? Oh, Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Uh, I, I forgot to ask. I was going to apply to, to substitute for him when he takes us. If he takes vacation at all during the week away from this non-job, I'd love to I'd love to sub in for him. Anyways, uh, we're going to go to the break, and we'll be right back with the incredible Reggie Leach story. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number for cell phones. It's pound three six three six, and you can dial it from anywhere. Want pizza at the park? Pound 3636. Wings by the water? Pound 3636. Ponzo combo at the cottage? Pound 3636. Salad at the... uh, Someone stop me. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're pleased to have with us now... uh, Legendary uh, hockey player from the 1970s and early 80s, Reggie Leach. Good morning, Reggie. 
Good morning to you, and how are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. You're going to have to bear with me for just a minute, uh, Reggie, because I just do want to remind our listeners of the incredible career that you did have. You played in the NHL from 1970 to 1983. In 75-76, you were the Richard Trophy winner, the most goals in the NHL. Smythe Trophy winner in 1976 with a remarkable 19 goals in that uh, in that Stanley Cup playoff. And uh, you were the only Smythe Trophy winner from a losing team that wasn't a goalie. 1976 Canada Cup. Five goals in a playoff game. A truly outstanding career, Reggie, and we're we're so pleased to have you on the air with us this morning. You no, know, it was uh, you know it was a good it was a good run. It was a good uh, good thirteen years, and uh, you know it's uh, one thing about uh, I always talk about is that uh, you know I was one of the lucky ones to uh, actually uh, you know as a young kid uh, growing up, and, and you always dreamt about playing in the National Hockey League, and I and I was uh, fortunate enough I made it there. Yeah, Reggie, uh, being in Toronto, we uh, remember the Leaf Flyer series, and there were some memorable series back in the 70s. And I remember one game when uh, the Leafs were up two games to nothing, and you guys were down 5-2 with 10 minutes left in the game and uh, ended up uh, coming back and beating the Leafs and then winning the series. Phenomenal effort, for sure. Well, yeah, that, 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 you know, at that time there, I remember that series well. Is, uh, you know, that, the Leafs had a pretty good hockey team at that time, and and you know it's one of those things that uh, you know we uh, you know coming back from three goals with less than ten minutes, and I think, and that was a, a remarkable uh, effort by us. Reggie, I, I, I've got to I've got to be honest with you. Um, uh, we grew up I grew up in the '60s and '70s, uh, showing my age a little bit here. It's, uh, but uh, we we hated the Philadelphia Flyers in the 1970s. I'm saying this tongue in cheek, but we we hated you guys in Toronto. But there were two players on that team that I didn't dislike because I thought you were great hockey players, Reggie Leach and Rick McLeish. You guys are outstanding hockey players. But their history, I think, has been kinder to that Flyer team because they, you guys were a truly uh, a great hockey team. Do you think uh, the nickname, the Broad Street Bullies, sort of took away from the actual, you know, the actual quality of of some of the talent that you did have on that team? I think it did. You know, uh, if you think back, you know, back back now, and you look and you look back and and back to the seventies and that, I thought it was, uh, uh, you know, it came up with that name with the Flyers, and everybody hated the Flyers. Leave, you know, even leave, uh, the Clarence Clint Campbell at that time he hated us <laughs> and everything else and uh, you know uh, I think that uh, maybe it was good for the league for a, a period of four or five years where you know where hockey was different back then it went uh, I always tell, call, tell always tell the kids that the hockey changes about every ten years and you know in the hour era in the seventies that's the way hockey was played and then it changed off changed in the eighties. How so much did Reggie? How uh, much did Freddie Shero have to do with that change? Well, I think that uh, you know Freddie was very, 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 very small, uh, small, uh, smart coach and everything else. You know, he learned the, the Russian system and everything else, and and you know we got to play against the Russians in '76, and and Freddie was uh, very laid back and everything else. And you know, I always tell the story about Freddie. He used to give me. He used to try to motivate me all the time. He gives me the little stickers he would put on my locker and everything else. And 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 you know I can't remember any of the quotes, but it was sitting in my locker for a long time. And Freddie would come up and said, uh, "Did you read that?" I said, "Yeah, I read it. I don't understand it. Don't tell me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Bobby Clark, what did he mean to that team? 
Well, Clarky, you know, uh, uh, I, I have known Clarky since uh, we've been 15, 16 years old, both of us. And, and you know, Clarky, as a hockey player, he, he slept hockey. That was a 24-hour day for him. And, and you know, even uh, being, a, being a great leadership as he is, he didn't speak up that often. He just did, he just did on ice, and we spoke. And, you know, I can remember a few times he would just come up to us, uh, myself and Billy Barber, and he said, going into the third period, he said, boy, it's time to go to work. And that's the only thing I can really remember of him ever saying uh, to Billy and I. You know, yeah. but overall, he didn't say that much in the room. Uh, we're talking to uh, Reggie Leach, the uh, the Riverton Rifle, of course, legendary Philadelphia Flyer. Uh, you're a California Golden Seal and a Boston Bruin, if I recall correctly. And uh, 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 Reggie, when uh, when Naz, my co-host here, told me the other day where he had gotten a hold of you, um, uh, it pause it gave me pause to um, you know obviously do a little bit of research on you, and I found out a, c- a completely different story and that and I want to get to that story now and that's that's the Reggie Leach story not the Reggie Leach the hockey player Reggie Leach the man uh, Reggie Leach the community person Reggie Leach the man who's making things better in his community you're a member of a First Nations and you just came out with a book recently which is the Reggie Leach biography the Riverton rifle straight shooting on hockey and on life Reggie you are you're you're a you're a member of our native Canadian community. You're the youngest of 13 kids. You were adopted, and but you look back on your childhood uh, um, somewhat, uh, somewhat fondly, and uh, and you also have some um, messages that you carry into your community. Tell us a little bit about that, Reggie. You know the thing is that you know I think that uh, we as adults, you know, we all make. We all make uh, mistakes as, as young teenagers and young adults in our lives, and you know, I, I did make a, I did make a, a lot of mistakes as a young as a young man, and and the book itself is is a is a teaching. It's, a, it's based on the seven grandfather teachings, and and what what I wanted to do is write a book. I didn't want a show and tell book. I didn't really want a hockey book. Um, my son and I have. Uh, uh, hockey school is called Shoot to Score, and we, you know, we we teach uh, about two thousand kids a year, and we're in all these different communities, and and I get a chance to, at my age, to uh, deal with all these young kids, these brilliant young kids. It's just unbelievable, and you know, uh, when I was asked to do this book about ten years ago, I refused because I wasn't really sure of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to write about, and. And then finally, about two or three years ago, I, I decided to do this book, and and it was basically on teaching of it. It was basically on on it was for my grandkids. I wanted to I wanted to uh, dedicate something to my grandkids and to all the kids that are struggling. And and it, this book is is strictly a um, a learning book, a teaching book to these young kids. And I talk about choices in life and. And the quote I have in my book is in, in my in my book is that whatever choice you make, you own that choice, good or bad. And and in today's world, there's too many people that they'll take the good choices, but they don't claim the bad choices. And and you know when they do, they blame everybody else for the choices they make. You know, uh, when I look at it, you made the choice, nobody else, nobody forced you to do it, so you own that choice. So you know you learn from it and you move on. Um. Uh, we're talking to Reggie Leach, of course, uh, 
Uh, life in the NHL wasn't always glamorous, was it, Reggie? There were, as you say, choices to make, and I guess uh, you're man enough to m admit that some of the choices you made at certain times of your life uh, perhaps weren't the right choices, and you paid the consequences for those. Uh, well, yeah, that's for sure. You know, we all, uh, I think we all should do it as adults or as, 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 uh, as people, because, uh, you know, we're the ones that made the choices, and, and, uh, and you know, I made some terrible choices as 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 a young young hockey player, and 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 I learned from it. And you know, and if you don't make bad choices, you don't learn from it. So that's one of the things that you have to have to put across to these kids. And I, you know, I, I talk to these kids about uh, life in general and and what what they're going to be going into as young adults and everything else. And and we are going to make mistakes. And and. And long as they admit they make mistakes and don't do it again, it's it's going to work. And uh, talking about choices, Reggie, I just want our listeners to know that uh, over 30 years ago, you made a choice, and yes. it and it turned your life around. Tell us a little bit about what it took for you to make that choice and uh, what it did for you. Well, you know, I was uh, back in 1985. My wife, my my life was really out of control, and and uh, you know, it, I had a choice to. Uh, it was time to get it all straightened out. I just got divorced and everything else, and uh, you know, the kids weren't around and everything else, and 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 that's when I, uh, September 6, 1985, I I went to rehab, and as uh, you know, as uh, and uh, I went there for six weeks, and and every, everything. Since then, it's been great. You know, it, it's it's tough the first two or three years, and and you know the thing. You know, one thing about my life is that that was a very small part of my journey. I always tell everybody that's a very very small part of my journey, and I I learned from it. And you know, one thing about my life today is that I have people that I played against and and calling me for advice, and you know, I, I talk to so many people about about the. About this situation, and and it's it's great. It's great to always give a hand out to everybody. Um, my life today is is the thing is be kind to everybody, and you know, and and that's one of the things about my my life today is that I try to help as many people as possible, um, be positive, uh, you know, and and try to get them in the right direction. Uh, we're talking to Reggie Leach. Uh, Reggie, we have to unfortunately we have to wrap it up, and uh, just want to tell our listeners uh, just finish it off with. Uh, if they want to, if they want to look at this story a little bit further, your book is, of course, they can find in any, in any bookstore, in any Amazon. I highly encourage it. It's a very inspirational story. Um, you are there is a there is a, a grassroots effort out there uh, to get you into the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, for various reasons. I, I think the case can be made just based on your hockey uh, that you deserve to be you are you deserve to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I would uh, certainly in the Nazawali Sports Hour, we've taken positions on certain players and uh, I think you belong there just based on your hockey. I thought you were a dynamic player in the 1970s and you were a difference maker on the ice and one of the most highly skilled players of the 1970s. So based on that and also based on the work you've done in your community, you've battled addiction, you've got your life back on track, you've devoted your life to making a difference in the First Nations community. And uh, Certainly, those are those are Hall of Fame credentials, Reggie. We uh, we can only say we thank you so much for coming on this morning and sharing your your hockey career and your life story, and uh, and uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, it truly is an inspiration. Thank you so much. Good. Thank you very much for your kind words, and 
and uh, and thanks for having me on your radio show and i just hope that people out there is that you know be kind and uh just and be kind to others all the time and and you and the rewards will come back and thank you again thanks again for everything thanks, we appreciate reggie. it reggie uh keep well my friend thank okay, you so thank much you. bye-bye that of course was reggie leach and uh I just pushed the wrong button by mistake there. What a a different side of Reggie Leach, eh? Uh, Unbelievable. Well, you know what? It it goes back to – and and, and I know I remember the other day, Naz, you called me and you said you had gotten a hold of Reggie Leach. And and you said we're going to put him on the show. And and the first question that came across my mind is what am I going to ask him? Uh, does anybody really want to talk about his hockey career anymore? And you know we've we've had a history of talking to uh, to NHL legends, and you know, and they always have an interesting story to tell. Yeah. But then you know you brought to my attention something that I was not aware of, which was his book that had just come out, and I was totally unaware of the Reggie Leach story, what happened to him after that. And you know, when, once I got into it, I said, man, that's that's something I really want to talk about on the air. And you know, it's these are stories that young people need to hear. These are stories that young athletes. Athletes need to hear. Oh yeah, yeah. these are stories athletes, yeah. that these guys making six, seven, eight million dollars in the NHL. They need to hear these stories. They need to hear the stories of the Reggie Leeches and the Derek Sandersons and all these people who have gone one way and reclaimed their lives and are making a difference and in Theo their communities. Theo is involved in that it, too. Like uh, it's you know, very. I've always taken the position that professional athletes they may think that it's just a business contract to me it's a social responsibility you're in a position where you have the ability to do so much good because people look up to you you know for good or right or wrong people do look up do look up to you because you're a professional athlete and there's a certain responsibility that i've always said comes along with this and and i'm not going to criticize younger athletes there are there are there are younger athletes that are making a difference in their communities. I remember when Brian Burke was here, the one good thing that I always thought Brian Burke always said was, I mean, Brian Burke had his critics, but he always insisted that his players take an active participation in the the community community, because they can make a difference. Young people are influenced by these kinds of messages. And then when I, you know, when you told me about the Reggie Leach story and I looked into it and I saw the difference, I mean, this man, this is a genuine man. No, you can tell. He is a tell. genuine man. And uh, he's, he's done so much good in his community and communities that are, that, uh, that need help. I mean, you know, First Nations community and, you know, I don't want to get into politics. We always strive to stay away from politics on this show. But, you know, we know the needs that exist in our First Nations communities. And there's guys like Reggie Leach that are making a difference. And now that, you know, now that I know the whole uh, Reggie Leach story, man, I'd love to see him in the Hall of Fame. What an inspiration. What an inspiration it would be for First Nations communities and First Nations children. And, to, to you know, Reggie Leach already is a role model. To have him in the Hall of Fame, to have one of their own in the Hall of Fame, a man who's out there doing good in his community, man, that would be a tremendous achievement. That's for sure. I would, I would certainly look forward to that. I, I do know one thing. That I think the, the athletes of today are more aware than the guys that played in the 70s and 80s. And they had a, I'm, I know the guys in the 70s, 80s, and even the 90s had a rough time. They, well, it all wasn't glamour. I mean, yeah. they made the money, but it all wasn't glamour. That's for sure. Well, anyways, we've had two fascinating guests today that have put us a little bit over our time schedule. It's going to be pretty tough for us to get to, uh, to, to phone calls. But we did get an email in, Mike from Woodbridge. 
We got an email in, so we'll go with the email uh, for this show, uh, Nes. And uh, here's uh, here's a, uh, and we talked about this because we're we're expecting something to happen. It's the Leaf Centennial year coming on. We've talked about Legends Row. We've talked about Legends Row with Joe Bowen a couple of weeks ago. We've talked about it uh, with Daryl Sittler. And the question, very simply, is. Uh, who should be the next inductees on Legends Row at, at the Air Canada Centre? And uh, you know you know my answer on that. Well, but, it's uh, one that's very obvious. We've we've talked about that. I mean, but uh, I've you know it's Dave Keon should be the next guy on Legends Row. But uh, and uh, you know hopefully we'll get uh, well. Uh, well, they said some, something something's going to happen in the next couple of months. I would think. They said to us that uh, it would be sometime in January. So yeah, and, and next other other, weeks, other possibilities. I mean, I. You know, I thought I thought the perfect solution for the for the centennial year of, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, three three inductees would would have been my suggestion. Number one, Dave Keon, because I think he should have been the first one there. Yeah, and Daryl Sittler that, said that too. And that's no criticism because the, the 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 ones that are there are fine hockey hockey players and fine gentlemen. I have absolutely no criticisms uh, of the of the players that have been inducted, but. Uh, Dave Keon was a bit of an idol hero for me when I was younger. I thought he played the game the right way. I thought he was instrumental in all the Leafs uh, uh, Stanley Cups from the 1960s. Uh, just poetry in motion on the ice. He should have been the first one there. He should be the next one. Um, after, uh, in my, if I had a vote, that's who I'd vote for. Uh, I think Conn Smythe. Conn Smythe built the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> I can't see a more, f- a more appropriate fitting tribute than to put Conn Smythe on, uh, on uh, he was instrumental in, in building Maple Leaf Gardens in the midst of a depression in 1932. Uh, how he did it, I think, I think he got the, the workers to take yeah. back stock, stock instead, in of, place, instead yeah. of paychecks. And they built that thing in three months. That was a good move on the, the Carl- uh, They used to call it the Carlton Street Cash Box, if you can remember that. Yeah. And uh, my next controversial pick would be Punch Imlac. I really, yeah. I really think, Naz, I know you're shaking your head, yeah. but you got to have a coach. you got to yeah. have a coach. And what other coach can you possibly put on Legends Row other than Punch for Stanley Cups? I mean, yeah. I know he wasn't the most popular figure from a personality point of view. And, you know, he was, he was behind the, you know, he was in the thick of the, of the, of the, of the Ballard, uh, Sittler, McDonald shenanigans back in the, in the in the late eighties, when uh, sorry, late seventies, uh, which didn't win him many, uh, w- didn't win punch many fans. But four Stanley Cups, you can't say he wasn't a great coach. No, he was he was a great coach. What what better coach in uh, Toronto Maple Leaf history have we had? Uh, well, there's been some good ones. We've had Pat Quinn. We've had but at at at, at Punch Imlac's level. Anyways, yeah. uh, Sebastian, our producer's given us the wrap up sign as usual. So there's there's my three picks. My three next picks for Legends Roll. The three that I would love to see: Dave Keon, Con Smythe, and Punch Imlac. I'm going to name three names: Keon, Tim Horton, and Frank Mahovlich. Frank Mahovlich certainly yeah. a popular pick. Yeah, the, Anyways, those are the three guys I pick. Anyway, certainly a debate we're going to continue with, and uh, you know, sometime in the next couple of months, we're going to hear the word from uh, down on Bay Street who the next inductees are into Legends Row. We look to, look to that uh, uh, with bated breath. Anyways, uh, we wish our listeners a fantastic week, and uh, we'll be back again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. on the Nazawali Sports Hour.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.